didn't want us involved in the public square, they ought not to have crucified Jesus in the public square. Use humanistic principles. Well, I would say the same Dan, idea. Dan, I would say same that. End. I would say, what's the problem with stardust bumping into stardust? In the in the cosmic picture, no, there's no problem. In the oh, cosmic right. picture, it won't matter. No, Mr. President, you are not protecting reproductive freedom. You are authorizing the destruction of freedom for one million little human beings every year. I'm sorry, my friends, but I am tired of seeing Jesus presented as a weak beggar. He is a powerful Savior, and the Gospel is not a suggestion, it is a command. Reverend Mola, don't you sympathize with that? I sympathize with every single human heart wishing to know the one true and living God, but I believe there's only one way that that can happen through Jesus Christ, and the Gospel is about repenting of sin, not celebrating it. adventure. We will explore the spiritual abyss. You have not experienced this before. You're going to love it. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. Mm. Coming at you guys live. Yeah, that's right? my king. That's some, that's my king. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the, 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 the chilled atmosphere and, and mood here. Might have a little bit to do with my still recovering from a very unexpected health situation, uh, a seizure, um, uh, two, about actually just one day over two weeks ago. Yeah, two Tuesdays right. ago. Um, so uh, thank you all for your prayers. Thank you all for your concern uh, for me and for my family. Um, grateful for all of the the wonderful uh, warm messages and all that you guys have done to just bless us. We're very encouraged by that. I'm Pastor Jeff. They call me the Ninja. This is Apologia Radio. You can get more at ApologiaStudios.com. Over there, that's the bear, Luke the Pearson. What is up? Luke the Pearson. Um, <laughs> I believe you may have unofficially changed your name to Kung Fu Master. Yes. And why is that? Do you want me to tell the story? Yes, please tell the story. Yes. So, <laughs> so after Jeff had a seizure, he was kind of drugged for a little while. Yeah. Uh, because he was trying to fight the paramedics. Uh, true story. So what happens they is, gave him is a tranquilizer. what <laughs> happens is, is when you have a seizure. I've never had a seizure. I have no history of seizures in my family. Uh, we're still trying to get to the to the root cause of this, but it was a total medical thing. And uh, what happened is, I guess when you have a seizure, like you you it's it's oh, everyone knows this. You lose yeah. you lose everything in terms of like your. It takes a minute for your brain to sort of like get back again. You don't really know where you're at. You don't know who you are. It just sort everything sort of disappears. It's across the board. 
with epileptic epile epileptic seizures, mm -hmm. you lose everything. And so mm -hmm. yeah. when I came out of the seizure, I have no recollection of anything and I didn't know what was going on, who I was. Yeah. So when the paramedics apparently were putting me on the gurney and trying to get me to the hospital, I had a bunch of men holding me down yeah. to put me on this thing. And I suppose just by reflex, they were trying to like put my, my, my wrist down and I was like escaping from there. Yeah. <laughs> there were eight firemen trying to get me down on this gurney yeah. and I was just like all I was doing this Zach, Pastor Zach said all I was doing is when they would like grab my arm I would just get out of there or like they'd grab my arm I would just like get like out of buckling it buckling you and so yeah they would buckle me up and I would just unbuckle then they grab my arm and undo it and You're Zach, again, I'm like Zach asked me last night he's like hey he's like hey man is there a martial arts move like this I was like I was like yeah like what do you mean he's like because He's like one of the firemen kept trying to like you know you know get you in and calm you down and he was grabbing your wrist and you would just get out and do this and he's like it was really crazy he was just doing all these like martial arts blocks and everything okay so that's what happened so at the hospital then as he was coming to out of the tranquilizer he was very confused and was asking like where am i well, what's happening how did i get here and and uh so i was in there with candy jeff's wife and we're trying to explain to him well you know paramedics were trying to strap you down you were fighting and and you're like wait what i was fighting yeah i think he said did i did i curse at them and candy said no and you're like oh good and then you're like well you need to make sure they know that that wasn't me <laughs> and Candy's like i think they know that that wasn't you and then you were just laying in bed for a minute and you're just like wait how many guys were like fighting and candy's like i don't know it was like eight guys maybe and you're like Kung Fu Master. <laughs> I was wow. very proud. Apparently, I was very proud you of myself. You were very proud of yourself. <laughs> yes. yes. And well, so. tell, this is actually funny. I'm, I'm fine with everybody knowing this. Okay, yeah. So when I have lots of stories. Yeah, yeah there's so. lots of stories that night. So, I, I, like I said, this is all new to me because I've never had a seizure before. And apparently, nothing's wrong with me. And doctors can't figure it out. They said stress and overworking or, you know, what it could be. It could be anything. So, they said, you're perfect, good health. Everything's fine. Nothing's wrong with you. It was definitely a seizure, an epileptic seizure. And, you know, just got to be careful. And uh, what happened was when Luke was telling me all that, that took place, I guess when they were, you know, getting me and they're like, okay, we got to calm him down. He doesn't know what's going on. They hit me with ketamine, yeah, which is a tranquilizer. Right. But I know from back in my high school days when there was like raves and ooh, ooh, all that stuff, <laughs> like house everybody, music. everybody <laughs> knew about Special K, right? Now I'd never done it. It's a cereal? But it, no, Special K okay. is Sorry. ketamine. <laughs> And everybody knew that it used to be a, a, an animal tranquilizer. We talked about it in terms of that's a cat tranquilizer. That's what everyone says, cat tranquilizer. Special K is cat tranquilizer. I had a friend in school who's a drug dealer, and um, and he sold Special K, and he said it was a cat tranquilizer, and it's awesome. Never did it, but that's how I knew ketamine is a cat tranquilizer. So please. So, so that's, again, he's coming to, he's kind of realizing where he's at and stuff, and he asked the doctor, what, what, what did you guys give me? Doctor's like, we gave you ketamine. You're like, what? Why'd you give me a cat tranquilizer? How much of that did you give me? Meow. <laughs> <laughs> you made the noise. I made you meowed. Wow. <laughs> meowed the doctor. And oh, Candy boy. and I started crying, laughing, and the doctor was just standing there, like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he wanted to cry loud too. Yeah. He just couldn't bring himself <laughs> to. Oh man. Yeah. So yeah, it was a very interesting experience. I'm still uh, getting my bearings and everything else. Again, this has never happened to me in my life. I've never had any family members that have had a seizure, but uh, they, you know, the test of my blood, did CAT scan and everything. They said you definitely had an epileptic seizure. There's evidence in your blood. That's what it was. So you know, they just said we don't know what the onset of this was, but you need to be cautious and careful. But I'm get I'm back. I'm getting rebalanced every day, feeling better and better every day. Grateful to Apologia Church for all of your love 
and care for your pastor. And of course, for all of you internationally who sent out wonderful words of encouragement. We're very, very grateful. So that is Zach Conover. What's up? He is the Director of Communications for End Abortion Now. Yes, sir. And over here, as you all noticed, yes, we have the wonderful Marcus Pittman in the studio with us now. The Gingerbeard Man. <laughs> king Ginger. King Ginger. I'm The king back. returns. I am back. The king returns. Somebody asked about the symbol on the wall. You want to answer that? I, I um, love this YouTube comment. <laughs> Look, somebody gave us $10. Oh, and another you. person gave us five dollars in you, the Faith. YouTube chat. Seven oh two. And she says, "So glad to see you back, Jeff." Thank you, Faith Seven Oh Two, and Fast Joe Corrigan. God bless you. Thank you for giving to Apology Church. Thank you so very much. <laughs> Sounds like a mafia name. Um, <laughs> hey, a Fast Joe over there. Hey, hey, doing Fast Joe. Hey, doing, hey, doing. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, we have a very important show to do today. We're all very excited because we have some good news to share with everybody. Some exciting news about 2019 that is going to bless the world. We are praising God for it. We also have uh, some conversation we want to have about the very interesting and we praise God for the conversation between Dr. MacArthur and Ben Shapiro. Yep. Um, there were some amazing moments there that we are so grateful to God for, and especially grateful uh, for the work of Dr. MacArthur, his ministry, and the things that he did in terms of conveying the good news of Jesus Christ to Ben Shapiro. However, um, we hold to a more, I, I think, biblical, and of course, I think, ancient, uh, uh, older Christian perspective on God and government. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. MacArthur holds to a, a perspective of the church and um, the kingdom of Jesus that um, um, it really f had its beginnings in the uh, the middle of the 19th century. Um, We'll mm -hmm. talk about that. So there's some there's some things that we think could be more helpful in terms of ministering to somebody who calls themselves an Orthodox Jew. There are things that Orthodox Jews believe about the Torah and the Tanakh, the Old Testament, um, that they say have to be in place for the Messiah to be the Messiah. And some of the things that Dr. MacArthur said about Jesus, about his kingdom, about his rule in the world, um, we think fed into Don, uh, Ben Shapiro's rejection of Jesus. And mm -hmm. we're going to talk about that in terms of how can we be more biblical and more helpful to yeah. an Orthodox Jew in terms of our ministering to an Orthodox Jew. Um, their perspective about the Messiah is that the Messiah must bring righteousness and justice to this world, to this earth. Yep. And when Dr. MacArthur said essentially Jesus isn't concerned with justice in the world and those sorts of things, um, and we'll get into details how he said that. Um, we think that wasn't ultimately helpful to uh, Shapiro uh, because it ultimately fed into his rejection of Jesus as Messiah. So, yeah. Before we get too far, I, I have to interrupt your super lounge music here. Yeah. Because I have a, a quick clip to play. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, for a cheerful toast and fill it happy anniversary. anniversary. Six years, I think today. Really? Oh, yeah. Apologia Radio? Yep. Happy anniversary. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Nice. Wow. Happy anniversary. Nice. Yes. I thought it was like I an inside was, thing between uh, you guys. I think it may have been December 5th, the first show we did. No joke. Well, how do you <laughs> like them apples? No joke. You sounded like you're from hey, to Wonderful Life. I wonderful. No joke, Mr. Potter. <laughs> Just Mr. started Potter? watching that, by the way, for the yeah. first time. And? What? And? Did you finish it? Oh, I'm only... 20 minutes into it oh yeah i mean i am watching the black and white version though good please do not watch the yeah. color there's just so, no need for I that had the option and i was like i gotta 
it's it a wonderful experience. life greatest greatest christmas movie ever made in history but praise god six years of apologia radio what is up hey let's get right to it. i know you guys have been waiting now uh bated breath waiting to hear what's the situation what's the good news well first thing is a um, I haven't got a chance to talk about this publicly really yeah. yet. We have a lot of stuff uh, to announce. Dr. James White is now a member of Apologia Church. He's uh, Him and his wife, Kelly, are uh, coming on board with Apologia Church. He is going to pour his life and ministry into Apologia Church. Um, everybody already knows that Dr. White is uh, my mentor, my friend. He's been uh, the greatest theological uh, impact in my life uh, since coming to Christ. First Christian book I ever read was from Dr. James White before I ever knew him and uh, ran into him a little while later at uh, the Mormon Temple in Mesa, Arizona. So I've known Dr. White for, let's see, 1996 is when I met Dr. White for the first time. Um, and everybody knows the relationship that we have. Uh, and uh, he's been on Apologia Radio, of course. I've been on the dividing line. He's taught at Apologia Church more times than I could possibly remember. Um, I've been around the, I've been on the world. I've taught with Dr. White at uh, conferences literally around the world. Um, and so with that, big blessing to Apologia Church. Dr. James White is now a member of our church who can pour into our body and bless our people. So praise God for that. Yes. When he first came here the first Sunday, I said, I'm about as happy as a Presbyterian can be that you're here. <laughs> that you're here. <laughs> amen. That's hilarious. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, so uh, the next step of blessing and encouraging things that are happening at Apologia Church is uh, we have big plans for 2000, 2019. I, I, won't, I won't belabor the point here except to tell you that when Marcus created the film years ago, Babies Are Murdered Here, God used that nope. film. There you go. There's the original OG. sign. The original sign. That's the OG sign right there. Very, very excited to have that in the studio, by the way, because that's a piece of Christian history mm -hmm. right Amen. there. It Amen. truly, truly is. It'll be in the Smithsonian one day. Yes. People used to, people have said on our feed, you guys have watched the show and you've seen this and you've said, why in, the world, why, in the, why in the world do you guys have a sign that says babies are murdered here in your studio? <laughs> babies aren't murdered in your studio. That's offensive. Uh, please understand this is a beautiful thing that yeah. is the you tell the story you tell the story well uh i was with john speed and he had me come out to uh film a little video on his church but he accidentally got the flight back for sunday at 8 a.m instead of sunday at 8 p.m so his church service was like at nine <laughs> so i wasn't going to be able to like the whole purpose i was there so i said well hey are you going out to the abortion clinic and he's like well we're going out tomorrow I was like, well, I'll just film some stuff of your church doing things at the abortion clinic. And a guy by the name of Robert Gray went to the dollar store and he got like a black and red marker and that dollar piece of poster board right there. And uh, and he made that sign. Uh, and I was like, wow, that's really awesome. And so we just filmed that day and it became a trailer for like the fundraiser movie. And then... Um, from there, uh, people just started making their own signs exactly like this yep. all over the country. And uh, Planned Parenthood made a sign that said healthcare happens here Yes. Mm. In, resp in the response to this little YouTube movie. Can I, can I stress that real fast? Y this movement started in such a way that it, it forced the greatest uh, uh, abortion, uh, provider. abortion provider yeah. in the country uh, to respond to you. Yes. Yes. Healthcare happens here. Mm -hmm. um, so Telling the truth. It's a powerful yeah. thing. Okay. So, so, but, so that right there is the actual original one. 
and it's faded because it's just cheap dollar store poster board and they went outside in the rain a bunch of times with it and then they decided to stop using it in the rain because it, it wouldn't be around much longer and yep. then john speed brought that to us oh praise god so. i'm so glad to have that here so with that babies are murdered here if you have not seen it you're on youtube now don't go there yet but later on, when we're done here, go and look up Babies Are Murdered Here. You will see the film in its entirety. It's up. I want to encourage you to watch it. Please watch yep. it. And then go to endabortionnow.com to get connected to our church so we can give you free training and free resources to do the same work and save more children. Thousands and thousands of children are alive today because of uh, the ministry that God has done here well, through Marcus and End Abortion Now, uh, uh, Babies Are Murdered Here, End Abortion Now. It has just been an amazing thing. Um, so, uh, so to continue the story here, Babies Are Murdered Here was used in tandem with one other event in our life as a church. We talked to a sister in Christ named Lisa Metzger, who through her ministry outside the abortion mill had saved over 360 babies that year. We had her on the show. It convicted and challenged our very young church. And right around that time, Marcus came out with Babies Are Murdered Here. Marcus sent me um, a, uh, I got to preview it. And I remember being in my car. Um, I dropped my kids off. They're homeschooled, but I dropped them off at their co-op. And I remember vividly this moment. I dropped them off and I sat there in front of their co-op and I watched Babies Are Murdered Here. And I remember I sat in my car and I wept. Uh, in particular, it was Rusty Thomas's yeah. section yeah. that killed me. I just was weeping in my car and God used those things, especially babies are murdered here to bring Apologia Church into this fight and to get moving. So what we did is we started because of this film, because of all these events, we started going to the abortion mills and preaching the gospel as Apologia Church. Now, as this was happening, we would see God save a life and then we would have all this fruit and we would just come on Apologia Radio and we'd talk about it. Yeah. And we had no other intention except just to say, look what God did, praise God for it. And then as that started happening, Christians across the country who were listening to Apologia Radio were like, hey, our church can do this too. So they started doing it as well, saving lives. So then God starts raising up Christians across the country. Babies are murdered here, Apologia Radio. Just starts sort of this swell, this movement of Christians going out and saving lives and preaching the gospel. And then God gave us Apologia Studios. And then God gave us the opportunity to create End Abortion Now, a banner over a movement that just says that abortion must be ended by the Christian church with the gospel and the word of God, not the way the pro-life movement does it with neutrality, not as not escaping from the message of Jesus and turning away from words like murder and repentance and criminal charges, those sorts of things. And so what God gave us the opportunity to do is create End Abortion Now since that time, uh, about 300 local churches across the United States now are now trained, equipped for free. Mm -hmm. We have not taken a dime from these churches who want to get trained and equipped. We have given them all these free training, all these free resources, and we have seen God raise these churches up to save thousands of lives across the country. And then something happened this last year that we did not anticipate when we started this. And that is that God allowed this message to go international. Yes. Now the yeah. message moving from a film to a church, radio show, all that. Now this message is in Southern Ireland, Northern Ireland, Canada, all over the US, in Australia, and in New Zealand. And now there are churches internationally now saying, no more pro-life movement and their bootleg message. No more pro-life movement and their non-Christian message. No more pro-life movement and their Christless message. 
gospel-less message. This must be a move of the church of God who brings the gospel against this into conflict with it. Yeah, like it always has been. Like, yeah, exactly. Every time there's been transformation in the world, <laughs> right. it's because the gospel, yeah. um, not neutrality. So with that, all that to say, and I'm so glad you're hanging on for this because I wanted to lay that down for anybody who's new and listening to us and doesn't know who we are and what's going on here and introducing you to King Ginger. Most of you know him anyways. Marcus, what is happening in 2019? Babies are murdered here too. Woo! Babies are murdered here too. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> That's a very, very big oh, deal. Yes. Now, Marcus, we need to talk about what all that looks like. What is Babies Are Murdered Here Too going to be about? How does it work together with End Abortion Now and the vision for End Abortion Now? Yeah, so the first Babies Are Murdered Here was about changing the conversation mm -hmm. and just using the word murder when you're talking about abortion. Right. I, so many people use it now. You've seen I the fruit like, of it. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like it's all happens all the time. But when we first started, nobody would use that word. And that was kind of what we discovered as we were making the film is like people didn't like that sign. People were getting mad at the word murder. And and then even like the pro-life groups, we you know we got introduced to the pro-life groups and how they kind of water down the language mm -hmm. to make it more PC and stuff right. like that. And just so, so anyway, so, so through the first film, people realized, hey, you have to bring the gospel and biblical language when you're fighting abortion. And so that's happened all over the country and in several places around the world now. As a result, that's crazy just to say that. Yeah. And it's because <laughs> it's just markers and poster boards. Yes. Like it's literally that sign has saved so many children. We'll never, like, I mean, that, the amount of that is just insane. So, so. Anyway, so the first one was changing the conversation. And now, now that there are so many churches that are equipped and are fighting against abortion uh, locally at their abortion clinics, now we want to change the legislation. Right. Mm -hmm. So this movie will be about how uh, certain organizations want to suppress um, just ending it through the legal system. Yeah. And they create all these sort of laws and and rules and regulations and systems and 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 even like forcing the Congress not to vote on laws because they don't all agree. Like we're getting like we're gonna get into how the pro life lobby works very thoroughly is the plan, and then uh, we're gonna get people out instead of getting people outside of the abortion clinics. Uh, we want to get them outside of their city councils now. Yeah, right. right. And so, so it's keep gonna, on doing that, yeah, but also. Yeah. So yeah. it's go, It's going to be awesome. So the idea is mercy ministry at the abortion mills, saving lives like we've been doing. Churches getting equipped, getting, getting trained, getting free resources to go and save lives as local churches with the gospel at the abortion mill. But now it's the prophetic witness of the church against the magistrate. Mm -hmm. Like Justice. the Black Robe Regiment. Yes. Yes. That's right. So, We're going to talk a bit about the Black Robe Regiment. I know. I know. We you know that's that's why we brought it up. You knew it. <laughs> I knew it. You knew it. Sure. I know why. So. That's right. You know why. That's but, right. But it's this is, it's going to be exciting because um, we're going to put a lot a lot of time dedicating my entire year yes to one film yes and it's going it's going to be it's going to be I'm praying it's the best thing I've ever made God and, uses yeah. the weak things of the world to shame the wise yeah, well maybe hopefully it's not that good then no <laughs> what, I, what I mean is what I mean is I have a reason for saying that I have a reason for saying that 
not not you in terms of that. New one. Yeah. All no, right, yeah, he, sure. Good. Here's yeah. where I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Hey, check this out, guys. Think about this. Um, the pro-life lobby, the pro-life organizations globally, they have made countless millions of dollars to fight against abortion, the scourge of abortion, and they've done it through their own testimony without a commitment to Jesus, his word, and, and, and calls to repentance and faith in Jesus. They have done it with a professed commitment to neutrality, and it is millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars every year to the pro-life lobby, pro-life movement. This year, the pro-life movement is gonna ask for more yeah. millions of dollars to fund right. their fight against abortion, to bring those numbers down a bit. God used a piece of poster board and some markers and a $5,000 budget to start a movement that is Christ-centered, gospel-centered, mm -hmm. to fight against the scourge of abortion. That's what I'm talking about, how God can use these little things to completely transform the world. Yeah, we're talking about Gideon. Like, your army's too big. Yeah, right. We right. need, uh, yeah, I think that's you need true. less numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what God yeah. says. Yeah, right? which is interesting because so. they're all about the numbers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're all about the, the numbers. So, yeah, Gideon's really interesting when you think about that because Gideon was like, eh. God was like, eh, Gideon, your army's too big. You just need, you know, way less than what you have. <laughs> <laughs> not by my, not yeah. by power, but yeah. by my you spirit. Need, you my need spirit. way less. And That's the, right. And the, and the pro-life organizations are like, we just need more and more and more. We just, we don't have the funds. We don't have the resources to end this. Right. And so this... This is this is going to be a really I hope I hope this starts some fires. That's right. That's right. So praise God. Plan. So um, with that, please be looking out in the next couple of days, even for the stuff that we're going to put out uh, through Apology of yeah. Church and End Abortion. Now we are going to be giving you guys amazing stories of children who have been saved. We're going to give you their pictures, their stories. We're going to give you testimonies from churches that have been linked up with an abortion now that are saving lives. We're going to show you some content you haven't seen yet before from Australia, um, us preaching there and leading the church in Australia to get involved in this fight as, mm -hmm. as Christians with the gospel. And so be on the lookout. Go to endabortionnow.com to get more details. Please give there if you can. Um, and uh, I just, uh, I'm, I'm excited. There's just big things happening. The plan for next year is, is actually exciting in terms of what we plan to do to continue to get more churches involved, to equip them but also to help these churches build their own media ministries mm. so that it's not yep. merely Apologia Church that's sort of like flooding the media with this kind of content. We want you to do it as well. It can't just be Apologia Church, uh, but we also want to be a prophetic witness against uh, the magistrate to, to demand justice for these fatherless children. Uh, if you uh, question whether God's concerned with that in this world, in this life, I challenge you to read the first two chapters of the book of Isaiah. Just read that. Yeah. And look at God's heart regarding justice for fatherless children. All right, let's get right to it now. Uh, we are going to try to go as quickly as possible through this, but we want to try to also be thorough in a way, biblical. Uh, I was very excited when I first saw word last week that Dr. MacArthur yes. oh, yeah. was going to be talking to Shapiro. I want to just start this by saying that Dr. MacArthur is a hero of the faith. He's a godly man. He is a solid uh, believer. I uh, have disagreements with him in some areas, but those are adiaphora. Those are side issues, many important issues. But Dr. MacArthur is a man of God who can be trusted and uh, who is going to have a truckload more reward in heaven than me. Mm. Uh, and so I want to just say that at the outset. Dr. MacArthur, I do believe this. Um, I, Dr. MacArthur, I think, is uh, the man that God used to lead me to Jesus. Uh, mm. I had a profession of faith early on as a teenager, 
and then I went into a drug and alcohol addiction. My wife and I debate over this to this day. She thinks that I was a believer. I fell into sin. I tend to think that I maybe didn't really trust in Jesus and understand the gospel itself, but I read the gospel according to Jesus by Dr. MacArthur, and I began to examine those verses in the word of God where Jesus calls people to come to him for life and to turn to him, repent, kingdom of heaven is at hand, come to him as Lord, Savior, trust in him through faith alone. I began to really ask, do I really know Jesus? And that's where I turned to Christ and trusted in him and experience the gift of eternal life. So um, that's what I want to say about MacArthur to start. I have to say that. Very important because we are going to say some critical things here uh, about what Dr. MacArthur said with Shapiro. Anybody else want to say anything else before we get into that? No, that's the thing. It, it feels kind of odd criticizing a man that's preached yeah. from Genesis to Revelation and knows the Bible so well, but <laughs> yeah. you know, who am I? Uh, not even 30 critiquing this amazing Bible yeah. scholar, but, you know, don't let anyone despise you for your yeah. youth, but set the believers an example. That's right. Right. So. That's right. Dr. McCarthy. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, I've always said that I was first discipled, as I say MacArthur, right? But like through John MacArthur and a lot of his stuff on apologetics and, and scripture and theology. So yeah, I, I owe a great debt to that man as well. Yeah. well yeah. I, think we, I think we all do. Christians can disagree and still kick it. That's right. <laughs> just because, just because yeah. we have these, yeah, and that, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Just because we have these disagreements doesn't mean we divide doesn't right. mean we somehow create factions and come against each other it just means like look let's sharpen each other up here i think you're i think you're yeah. not doing this in, in, a, in a full orbed gospel of the kingdom way uh, uh shapiro did get the gospel mm -hmm. he, he did. did hear about cried love that section where he went into isaiah 53 oh, and yeah. that was a beautiful thing by the way i would be so honored if the audience that sees this would tweet and tag uh, Shapiro and uh, ask if uh, if Shapiro will be willing to have me on to have the exact same discussion from same a little questions. bit different perspective. Um, I hold to a more um, uh, Puritan, uh, neo-Puritan, uh, new Puritanism uh, idea, like the idea that Jesus is ruler of heaven and earth here and that every realm is under his authority and everything must obey him. Uh, including the political realm. Including the political right. realm. Uh, I, I hold to a Psalm chapter 2 perspective. Right. In short. <laughs> yeah. In short, Psalm 2 is what I believe is true today, where the Father says to the Son, Ask of me, I'll give you the nations for your inheritance, the very ends of the earth for your possession. And then he warns the kings of the earth to obey the Son or they're going to perish. I believe that that's true. And I believe that that's relevant today, right now, under the rule of Jesus, his kingdom. Mm -hmm. He is, by the way, King of Kings today, right? That's right. Isn't he Lord of yeah, Lords? Ruler of the kings of the earth. Today. You believe that? That it's true today that Jesus rules over Donald Trump today and that Donald Trump must obey Jesus? I believe that. I, I don't think there's any other way to see King of Kings. That's right. Right? So, um, again, I, I just think there's a better way to actually get across the message of the gospel of the kingdom and the Messiah than some of these startup points that MacArthur had. Yeah. So, let's get right to it. So, we'll start off and just kind of touch a few spaces here. Feel free, gentlemen, to stop me. And uh, here we go. Issue of the day, and that is religion and politics. So, you're not known as an overtly political preacher. You, you talk more about values than politics. What do you think the relationship should be between folks who are in the business of, of religion and trying to inform people about religion and politics. How often should they be speaking about politics? Should they be doing so openly or just preaching values? So real fast, um, you talk more about values than politics. <laughs> Isn't that a false dichotomy? Yeah. Why, why is that a false because dichotomy? Because all political issues are inherently yeah. moral it's, and based it, on your value yeah. system. John MacArthur is on a political talk show right now. Right. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Talking Order. about what? Politics. Morality. Yeah, mor- your morality yeah. politics. Yeah. Right. Morality so, drives your politics. Okay, I'll give you this. Ready? Well, I'm, 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 I'll, throw out, I'll throw out a political issue. Are you ready? Um, taxation. Moral. Moral. Right. How? Theft. Uh, theft. <laughs> depending, depending. Yeah, depending. Not every single. Well, well, the Bible says when it comes to taxation, the rich shall not pay more, and the and the poor shall not pay less. Okay, it's very clear. God's law, over and over again. Dealing with justice, you know, you should not punish someone less because they're poor or more because they're rich. And then when it comes to taxation, not pay more and not pay less. So, so when we have politicians who are saying things like. Uh, well, we need to tax the top 1% more because they have more and they need to give their fair share. Well, that's a complete violation of what God commands when it comes to the issues of taxation. So wait, God has law about taxation. Yeah, so, right. so because it's a violation of God's law, it is immoral. Yes. Mm. Also, real fast, uh, in Samuel, mm. God says that Israel wanted yes. a king like the rest of the nations. They didn't want God ruling over them. Right. And so as punishment... God says, I'll give you a king like the other nations. Yes. Here's your king, but just know he's, he's going to take, take, take your kids to war yeah. and he's going to take 10%, 10%. Which would be such a blessing in our yeah, nation. I know, right? <laughs> Only 10%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but listen closely to this. I want a king. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what do we have what's to do interesting to here is that God says <laughs> that this earthly king is going to be given to Israel as punishment because right. they didn't want God as their king. God was a ruler over them. They didn't want God to rule in their hearts and rule over them. They wanted an earthly king. And God says, I'll give you the earthly king you want since you don't want me. But just know he's going to take your children to war and he's going to want the tithe. He's going to want 10% in taxation. So God's judgment upon Israel was 10% taxation. That's judgment from so, God. Lord, so what's 40%? Yeah, Lord, Lord can we have Israel's judgment, judgment, please? Yeah. 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 Can we have? Yeah. yeah. So if Israel was punished with 10% taxation, what's 40? Yeah. What's 45? <laughs> what's 50? Um, Fivefold. That's, that's a lot of judgment, y'all. Or 90%. Okay. The so, but my point is, is that taxation, a political issue, is a moral issue. It's right. a moral issue. That's right. Was when you take property and dollars from a human being, an image bearer of God, without their consent, right? Uh, or without ultimately their real permission, that is called theft, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean there's not a righteous way to fund your government and to do taxation, but it would have to be voluntary. It would have to be a system that is not through coercion or threat of jail, or people in black robes signing things and pretending like it's not theft. Yeah. It's a moral issue. What's another political issue that's a moral issue? Abortion. 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 Yeah. The murder of the unborn. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk more about you talk more about values than politics. That's a false dichotomy. Yeah. Right. That's a false dichotomy. Well, everybody says that the government can't regulate morality, but that's the only thing the government can regulate. That's right. Is morality. Because that's yeah. what Romans 13 says. You should punish those who do evil. That's so, a moral statement. Talk about that, Marcus, real fast. Yeah. And just give you 30 seconds on that. When you talk about Romans 13 yeah. and the purpose of government punishing evil, let's talk about that standard. Yeah, it says the government's job is to terrorize those who do evil. As God's deacon. Yeah, so one, right, right, as a minister of God. As so, a minister of which God? <laughs> the, the triune God of the Bible. The, the only God. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm only stressing yeah. that because, no, that's when, 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 that's it, because that that is part of this discussion that yeah. we say is off. 
Romans 13, which MacArthur, it does an excellent job showing the purpose of government. It says that the government's created by God to be his servant, yeah. not the servant of some other God. Yeah, and so the instructions are to bring terror or to bring wrath upon those who do evil. Mm-hmm. So in order to understand that, you have to you have to find out, one, what is a just form of wrath to bring upon somebody? Because mm. God punishes... Uh, God, when God punishes someone, it's not unjust. And then the other thing is you have to determine what is evil. Yeah. So evil and the consequences for evil are assumed in Romans 13 right. um, by God. So that's why uh, when you look at the social justice stuff, social justice is all about bringing mercy ministry, the function of the church, to the role of government, whereas the government is not in the role of mercy. Although... The law allows for that in some places. For judges to give mercy. Yeah, for judges to give mercy. But the role of mercy ministry is not a function of the government. And uh, the role of justice is not a role of the church. Mm-hmm. So those are two boundaries. And uh, we uh, see, the role of we see executing that justice. Yeah, that's, right. why, that's where the social justice in stuff the comes in. Sense, yeah. And I will say that it is teaching, like John MacArthur's, and I say this very respectfully, that that opens up the the social justice people to say see <laughs> right. how can he say these things right right you know there's injustice here yeah but the the i don't think no one's arguing that that per se the issue is when it comes to dealing with things of justice and things of mercy whether it's feeding the homeless or helping the poor or or those sort of things it's which uh covenant structure that god set up whether it's church or state which one of those governs which realm. Yeah. And so when you say, um, well, the church can't speak to issues of justice at all prophetically, it completely opens up people to go, well, if the church isn't going to do it, do these mercy ministry sort of things, then, well, we just need the government to do it. Yeah. And next thing you know, the They touch on that too, I think. Yeah. Yep. Here we go. Uh, my calling, my, my mandate, the, the command from heaven to me is to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's the message that I am committed and mandated by God to preach. It's the gospel. Uh, politics is, is the art of um, reordering human society on a temporal basis. The message of the gospel has to do with eternal, e- eternal issues. That- no. Not only. <laughs> no, that's not, truncated. Yeah. Yes. That's a truncated version of the gospel is it true yeah it's about eternal matters of course yes but is 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 that all no okay that's what we need to talk about here because that's a considerable i think falling off point yes because when he says uh, my mandate from heaven is to preach the gospel amen and he's done a fine job Uh yes um and and we're great we're all so grateful for it but there's there's something that's that jesus was preaching and it's in matthew chapter four and it says that he went about proclaiming the gospel of the Kingdom. kingdom, right? Yeah, yeah the Dominion. gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. And, and your mm-hmm. will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's right. So That's the prayer yeah. Jesus tells <laughs> right. us to pray. Well, right. Plus right. the Great Commission wasn't just preach the gospel. Yeah. All authority in heaven <laughs> and earth. And, and then, teach them and to then, obey. And, and teach them, yeah. Colossians, it says all rulers and power and principalities and... Submission to Jesus. First Corinthians 15, right? That's yeah, right, so, yeah. Uh, one fifteen. So I, all that whole thing, that whole thing. So okay, let's let's. Luke and you brought up two things of Jesus, and they're both in Matthew. You said that Jesus told us to pray um, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Mm. So Jesus, so Jesus tells us to pray for the temporal things on earth and heaven. Mm-hmm. That's the prayer. That's Jesus. You pray like this. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I want to pray like Jesus, Jesus told me to pray about the temporal things on earth, mm-hmm. that God's will would be done yes. here on earth, like it is in heaven. And the question is this, just how well do you think God's will is kept in heaven? Perfectly. Uh, yeah. Perfectly. So how does that translate to the earth? Yeah. That's what we're supposed to pray for, that people would obey Jesus on earth, obviously yeah. in every realm, like he is yeah. in heaven. Well, well, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. That's a temporal thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's right. So, so there's, 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 you can't separate these kingdoms because, because that's what it works about. together. That's what it's about. Yeah. Is, 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 um, there, there is a, a, a bit of Christian Gnosticism. I'm not saying that MacArthur is a Christian right. Gnostic. I, please hear me on that. There is a bit of Christian Gnostic thought that permeates the church in the West today in terms of a division between That's right. these two places. Heaven is the spiritual realm that matters so much. God's concerned with the spiritual, not the icky earthly yeah. thing. It's just smacks of this 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 theme in our culture today. It smacks of a version of Christian Gnosticism mm-hmm. where this is this really matters not to God at all. He's concerned with the immaterial spiritual things. Pastor Luke brought up a verse from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And that verse starts off where Jesus says, all authority in heaven. Every Christian goes, amen. And then it goes, and on earth has been, past tense, given to me. Jesus says that before he ascends. So before Jesus departs, he actually gives us a mandate and says, it's all mine now. I've had victory. Mm -hmm. I'm risen from the dead. I'm ascending to be seated. It's all mine there and here. Therefore, go baptize the nations and teach them mm-hmm. to obey me. Yep. So when, when MacArthur, when Brother MacArthur says, I've got a mandate from heaven to be concerned with eternal things, and these are all temporal ordering of society things, I would say, that's truncated, brother. It's just so truncated. Jesus' view of all of life is so much bigger. And the gospel of the kingdom is the good news of the rule of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And my question is this. Why is the Messiah's rule in this world good news? Mm-hmm. How is that good news? Of course, it means eternal life and forgiveness and reconciliation with God, but the Lordship of Jesus Christ, Brother MacArthur, that's what you taught me that I was missing from the gospel, is the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that he rules over every area of my life. Mm-hmm. And that's what's missing here, yeah. right? Well, one of, one of MacArthur's greatest accomplishments is the third part of the Great Commission, go make and teach. He started Master's Seminary, which has been an incredible seminary. Like, so it's not, he hasn't come and just preached the gospel. Like, no. he's actually physically incorporated the third part of, of, of teaching all that God has commanded. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is how much of all that God has commanded is he teaching, but the point is, like, he, he's doing more than just preaching the gospel. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would ask, too, when it comes to, like, you know, we're supposed to be focused on eternal things and not restructuring the temporal world. What about abortion? Right. Should we stop that? And, and what about um, MacArthur? Would not what about racism yeah. in yeah. you know nineteen fifties, which he he fought for, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So so, I, it just seems fought to me against. That, fought against. Fought against. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah fought just, against. Just for clarity. Yeah. Fought against. We have new listeners. Yeah. 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 Just for clarity. Yeah. Good catch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. What we're saying here is this: is that Brother MacArthur godly man that he is is a bit of a mixed bag at some points and and it's those yeah. it's those moments of being a mixed bag because he is consistent in these areas macarthur if we started talking about abortion 
and theft by the government, mm. he'd be on our side. He'd One be with us. One of the best sermons I've ever heard on abortion is when he preached. Right. Yeah. So it's just a matter of like the, 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 the story behind a lot of this is, is a mixed bag. And those inconsistencies actually give Shapiro a reason to reject Jesus as the Messiah. Remember the verse I read at the beginning of this episode? I read Isaiah chapter 42 for a reason, because that was one of those messianic prophecies about the Messiah who will bring forth justice on the earth. The coastlands will wait for his law. That is the promise of the Messiah, that he was actually going to bring the Torah into the heart and life of the people of God, and it would transform the world itself. Justice would fall into the world because the Messiah was reigning and ruling. Well, I believe he's reigning and ruling now, which means that he is bringing forth justice. Mm -hmm. For example, babies are murdered here. Mm -hmm. The work of the church, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, going and bringing the good news of Jesus and his authority into the world leads to justice for children, mercy for Children. Abortion that, clinics on earth and in time have yeah. actually been shut down. Because of the work mm. of the yeah. church. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yep. You see how that works? Uh, so we're, what we're saying here is that was, we see these as inconsistencies that actually help Shapiro along the way in his rejection of Jesus as the Messiah. Because what MacArthur is missing here is all those passages that talk about the Messiah himself bringing justice to the earth and the law of God and righteousness. And that's all taking place in history. It's happening in the world. And it's one of the reasons Orthodox Jews reject Jesus as the Messiah, not because of all the passages that clearly point to Jesus and his salvation and redemption and death and resurrection, but it's all those passages that talk about the Messiah ruling in the world. Well, here's the thing. The New Testament says he's ruling now mm-hmm. on his throne, putting his enemies under his feet, 1 Corinthians 15. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Mm. So we need to have this bigger picture of the gospel of the kingdom that we think is just missing here. And again, this isn't an attack on Brother MacArthur. We love him. Mm -hmm. It's just a a point of clarity and communication to say, no, we need to get this part right too. It doesn't mean I avoid everything political because I also want to do anything I can to elevate justice and righteousness in the world. Wait. Wait. You said that the mandate, Brother MacArthur, was to focus on eternal things and political things are just a temporary reshaping of the world. Do you see how it doesn't work, friends? Because as a shepherd of God, as a minister of the gospel, as a faithful man of God, he knows. He knows about God's standards and God's righteousness and God's desire for justice in the world. So on the one hand, he says, well, I'm not really so concerned with this. But on the other hand, he goes, no, but but I have to be. Mm -hmm. And there's there's the falling off. Yep. Yeah, that's the that's the challenge. I'm concerned with justice, what the government does. Yes, yes. And so as a Christian, I want to take responsibility for whatever political avenues that I can go down that are going to increase the order of society, the blessing of society. I want to be pro-family, pro-life, uh, pro-character, pro-virtue, pro-morality, all those kinds of things, pro-honesty, pro-kindness, pro-mercy, pro-grace, all of those things in my culture. Um, that, that's mandated to me as well. Uh, I am to, I, I'm to be a citizen who submits to the powers that be. Uh, I am not to be a revolutionary. We don't start riots. That's not a Christian thing to do. We don't even start right. revolutions. And you could argue about the American Revolution, whether that was actually legitimately a Christian act or not. <laughs> mm. Ooh. So we're not going to be able to get yeah. through with this hour and nine minute video here. <laughs> it's important, you. though. That, it's important. That... That's really, yeah. Let's talk about it just, just okay. at least briefly. This is important. Um, I don't refer to it as the Revolutionary War. Right. I, ref, I refer to it as the War for Independence. 
And there were some things that Brother MacArthur said in this interview um, that were honestly kind of stunning to me in terms of historical perspective. He talked about the founders of the United States of America being deists. Yes, yeah, right. that. Right. Um, very, very peculiar in terms of when you give an overgeneralization like that, you make a lot of old Presbyterians and Reformed Baptists and Congregationalists very upset with you. <laughs> yeah. People that are dead and buried and with the Lord now, um, they're, they're, they're looking down at you with squinty eyes. Mm -hmm. right? And if you read things like the Mayflower Compact, you right. see it's just not true. Yeah. It's, it's explicitly Christian. Well, let's talk about the Black Robe Regiment. The war for independence in England was referred to as the Presbyterian Revolt. Mm. Now, I, I want to say... I like that name a lot better than the Revolutionary War. <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, let's just I stick didn't learn to that. in school like that. <laughs> yeah, right, let's yeah. just stick to that one. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go with what England called it. <laughs> yeah. The Presbyterian Revolt. Yeah. Um, and so it's important for us to make sure that we honor the men and women of God who laid their lives down for truth and justice and righteousness in a culture and society. And I gotta tell you right now, those Presbyterians and those black robes and those Reformed Baptists and those Congregationalists, uh, it was led by the Presbyterians, um, but it, it, it included Baptists and, and Congregationalists. Um, I gotta tell you right now, those Presbyterians, they were theologically, they were as theologically sound as it, as they come. Mm. Of course, as a Reformed Baptist, I have some disagreements uh, with, with my Presbyterian brethren, but not enough to separate not at all. And not enough to say that these men were not solid. And I'll tell you what, they weren't deists. Now, if England, <laughs> if England called the war for independence, the Presbyterian revolt, um, and they referred to the people who were fighting against them as the black rope regiment, uh, we need to examine this a little bit more in terms of a historical mm -hmm. perspective. Um, these Christians who fought in that war had been preaching for over a decade about God's standards of justice and righteousness, the role of the king and his duty to obey Jesus. When they sent their indictment to England about the failures of England, they referred to moral failings under God. Right, right. AKA under God. the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, they, when, when they were referring to this fight, they were doing it with a very Christian worldview and talking about justice and sin and righteousness and the duty and role of the king to obey God. Um, and that's, of course, why England calls it the Presbyterian Revolt, because it was led by the Black Robe Regiment. These mm -hmm. were Presbyterian ministers of the gospel and Baptists and Congregationalists who preached in their Genevan black robes before the people of God on the Lord's Day. And then when as soon as they finished opening that word of God and preaching about God's standards of justice and righteousness, they took off that black robe and they picked up a musket to go and fight. Mm -hmm. By the way, if you know about the shot heard around the world, um, we didn't shoot first, okay? So um, uh, it was it was a defensive war in the first place. And so let's talk about that, Christians and revolutions. Well, if you read those. the book of Judges, there's like all sorts of wars that happen. You know, um, the Old Testament in general. And, and, and you see a lot of those wars were with what lower civil magistrates rising up against kings or tyrants or the invade, an invading exactly. army and whatnot. And so... so and in, in the Bible, it says that uh, they, the Israel would win that war and they were blessed because of it, right? They weren't, yeah. they weren't, God didn't say, oh, you, sh you just shouldn't have fought. You should have just submitted. Right. There was, there was um, all sorts of instances like, like that. It, it's incredible to read through those, those uh, books and just, man, like Israel was violent. 
<laughs> David was violent. Yeah. So so there you know there there absolutely is is a time and a place for, for a just war. For mm-hmm. a just war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not not just any war. Yeah. You know. And and according to Brother MacArthur and Shapiro later on in the interview asks him is there ever a justifiable time to rebel? Yeah. Or to throw off um, such governments and to have that gentle resistance even. And he explicitly says, no, scripturally speaking, there's no justification for that. But if you take an example like, um, you know, the Declaration of Independence, the text that is within that document says it talks about the abuses of the king and a long suffering and a, and a, and a prolonging in which they tried to wait it out and, and, and see if that would change. But then those um, designs that reduce them under absolute despotism. Mm-hmm. is what the wording says mm-hmm. when that abuse has gone on so long enough it, it's up to us now to throw off such government and provide new guards for our future security and mm. very good i'm so glad you have so that in, to it, memory marcus said said it perfectly it's an act of interposition it which is. is a christian act right well yes you're not following the government into their rebellion against god i'm so glad you said that because that we need to talk about that for a second because actually that provides a better framework to talk about the war for independence and the presbyterian revolt that's how you need to refer to it, by the way. Stop saying revolutionary war. <laughs> um, so um, the context is different, right? Yeah. It's, it's a matter of thinking of proper categories, right? right. Uh, England. What was the predominant worldview over in England at the time? Christian worldview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the predominant worldview in America at the time in the United States? Um, well, in, in all the states and the colonies, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, what was the predominant worldview there? Calvinism, yeah, right, right. Um, Puritan, Calvinism. Puritan yeah, Calvinism, right. Reformed faith. Um, you would have been hard, 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 hard pressed to find Arminianism in the United States during the early founding of the United States of America. That came later. Mm-hmm. Uh, this church, this 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 nation was founded by hardcore pipe hitting Calvinists, mm-hmm. um, and there is no getting around that. Uh, and uh, so, when you think about the worldview behind the nations that went to war with each other. These people were thinking in Christian categories. Now, whether they were truly Christians or not, not I'm not saying everybody who was a part of this was a Christian, truly Christian, truly know the Lord. Mm. I'm saying that they most certainly had a biblical perspective of the world. Even Benjamin Franklin, mm. who was not a Christian, right, right. still attended these church services. He respected um, famous preachers like Whitfield um, and uh, all the rest. Like He understood the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. Mm was fundamentally Christian. Right. And uh, so when you when you talk about history in this way, in these very general categories, I think it misses a lot of very important points. I'll just leave it at that. So we'll let you play a little bit more here. We don't start revolutions. We submit to the powers that be, and we work to change the culture from the inside one soul at a time. Okay, so let, let's talk about that for a second. So let's say, uh, as an example, let's say we're in a place like uh, Germany, um, and uh, you have people slaughtering Jews and um, actually trying to hunt the Jews down. You've got Jews in your village that you know and you love, and you decide you want to actually provide protection and love and cover for them. So you start hiding people mm-hmm. like Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. And you hide them you know, in your basement or in your, your walls and things like that. Aren't you committing a revolutionary act? An act against, of civil disobedience. An act of civil right. disobedience and interposition. Aren't you committing an act of revolution against your government? Doesn't your government tell you to obey and to submit? Well, do you submit to your government when they tell you to stop hiding Jews? No, you hide those Jews. You save their lives, right? So you see, there's, when you start speaking in general categories right. here, like we're not ever to be involved in revolutionary acts, it's like, well, hang on a minute. 
hang on a minute. What if God's being disobeyed? What if I'm being asked to to, to lead to the slaughter of another mm. human being? Yeah. What if what if California, which isn't that far off, decided to make MacArthur start doing homosexual marriages? Revolutionary act, Doctor MacArthur. Because I can promise you, he wouldn't do it. I know he that is a revolutionary it. act for sure. And right. That is a revolutionary yeah. act. You, you you have to disobey the government when they disobey Jesus. Making a gay wedding cake. Yeah. yeah. When you ask me to disobey Jesus, I will disobey you. And I know that's Dr. MacArthur, Brother MacArthur's heart. Right. And in terms of the leadership that we pick. So, you know, obviously you're talking a lot about submitting to the temporal nature of government. Uh, if you go back to the Old Testament, it was prophets who were anointing kings. Um, what should our role be in a democracy in terms of shaping the values of that democracy for political reasons? You see a lot of pastors who endorse particular political candidates. Do you think that that's worthwhile? And especially because a lot of the issues that you talk about are inherently political. They may not have been political 50 years ago, but when you say pro-life, pro-family, uh, pro-religion, uh, these actually do have real-world consequences. Because all politics is moral. He gets yeah. it. Everybody yeah. say it. All politics <laughs> is moral. All politics <laughs> yeah. is moral. Hashtag it and put it out there. All yeah. politics <laughs> is moral. It's not that it's become moral. Right. It was always moral. Right. The family right. was always the moral foundation. Life was always moral. Taxation was always moral. Yeah. All of it's moral. And Shapiro knows this. Yes. Right. And and he's looking for a Messiah that's going to fix everything. Yes. <laughs> and by the right. way, Shapiro, Jesus is fixing everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He is. In the world of politics. Yeah, it was a little different 50 years ago when we might have been talking about some sort of social structure and economics. We're not talking about that anymore. We're yeah, yes, about we are. Yes, we are. Okay. You certainly have the social justice people talking about economics as a moral thing. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. They're talking about increase yeah. the minimum wage and, and uh, uh, tax more people. Those are all moral issues being propagated by Christians today. Big time celebrity Christians today are talking about that. Mm -hmm. And those are moral issues because mm -hmm. you're saying we need to steal from people because they have more money. Just just on that basis alone, we need to take money that people have worked hard for, or we need to increase the minimum wage. We have to do these things, even when the Bible is very clear with the parable of the vineyard worker about minimum wage and all these things. These are all like, these are they're all moral issues. Actually, let me respond. And they're all political issues. Let me respond real fast. This truth seeker. Uh, I'm not sure if you're a, a guy or a gal, so forgive me, but um, I, I just want to encourage you to to be a little more thoughtful. I see you in the live feed here. You said, sorry, guys, you're misrepresenting what Brother John is saying. He would hide Jews. He would hide Jews, but that's very different than starting a revolution. <laughs> um, you're misunderstanding the point completely. Nobody said here, uh, my friend, that um, MacArthur wouldn't no, hide he would. Jews. My point was is that he would. Yeah, and that exactly. would be a revolutionary right. act. It yes. would be it would be in direct opposition to the commands right. of submission of the government in Germany. If the if the police were outside of John MacArthur MacArthur's church, and they said, "Here are two gay guys. Here are two gay women. Marry them," at that or there's a bullet going to go to your head. If he says no, I'm not going to marry them. That's a revolutionary act of defiance against the government. It's a revolutionary mm -hmm. act. Yes. yes, it absolutely is. So, right. and, and of course, John MacArthur wouldn't do that. John MacArthur would take a bullet before any of us, yeah, probably. He probably would. He'd take a yeah. bullet, he'd be hiding more Jews than all of us. Yeah. That's the kind of man that he is. Do you see the point? Again, and this is one of those things where Christians, I just want to say this with love and respect to you. When you watch things like this, please think about context. Please try to not make wild assumptions in terms of saying like we're misrepresenting Brother John. The whole point in the story was to say that Brother John would absolutely resist. And 
in that it's a revolutionary act. That's the point. Now we're talking about whether we kill babies or don't kill babies. We're talking about what is marriage. We're talking about what is a family. What what is male? What is female? Uh, that that those are the issues now that have made their way into the political world, so that it's fraught with moral issues. And if you are one who has, a and can I just say this real fast? This is really important in terms of context. The problem before in the United States, well, I shouldn't say the problem, the blessing before in the United States is because this was established, this culture was established by Christians, this nation was established by Christians, Calvinists, mm. reform folks, <laughs> by the way, uh, because of that, we had this blessing of Christianity and the Christian worldview that our nation hadn't shook loose yet, right? So at 50 years ago, we were still riding on the coattails of the Presbyterian revolt. Right and all that those Christians did. And John Jay, the first Supreme Court Justice, who was quoting the Bible in, in the initial decrees and the Supreme Court Justice stuff. Um, and so that's why 50 years ago, we weren't talking about whether a mom or a man is a man and a woman is a woman and families and whether men can marry men and women can marry women. Why? Because we, it was assumed that marriage is between a man and a woman. Mm. Well, where in the world did you get that idea? from those pesky Presbyterians and Baptists and Congregationalists in this country, right? <laughs> mm. And where'd you get the idea of like a male is a male, a female is a female, and that's defined clearly? Well, because that's what the Bible says, right? Yeah. And all those things were just there, hadn't been shook loose yet, and that's why, not that they became political issues, it just was assumed anyways, and we were just riding off the coattails of the blessing of the Christian worldview. The, the foundations of the Christian worldview have been slowly eroded away. That's mm. right. That's why. So it didn't become moral mm, issues. That's good. They were always moral issues and now they've been eroded. And now we have to fight these fights. Moral authority, which would be the word of the living God, the creator, then your responsibility in any society is to make sure that God's moral standards are heard. Amen. Can we be done now? Yeah. <laughs> heard and obeyed. Yeah. Now, hold on now. Isn't, isn't this all over now? Like on that one statement alone, aren't we unified now as brothers and sisters in the Lord to say, that's the duty and role and mandate of the church. Right. To speak God's law word to the powers that be into our culture. Mm. Right. Not as long as you maintain the coming of a king without the coming of his kingdom. Right. Mm. Talk about that because that, and we'll end it for here. We'll pick up later and do more of this episode later. We'll, we'll examine more of MacArthur's statements. I think we've given people a lot to think about. Yeah. That's the main thing though, isn't it, Zach? Yeah. Isn't the main issue here... Timing of the kingdom. It's eschatology. I think ultimately is your view of the future, the timing of the kingdom, um, what the reign of the Messiah looks like for the here and now, as opposed to being some far off thing that we're waiting on to be established. See, this is why hashtag eschatology matters. Yep. End times yep. views matter greatly because you see um, what Shapiro believes about the Messiah and eschatology is he believes what the Old Testament says. Uh, hold on, please forgive me. He rejects the passages that talk about Jesus and his redemption and salvation, those sorts of things. He won't, he won't obey those and see those. But watch, he accepts the passages about Messiah that talk about the Messiah bringing a kingdom where all the earth has to obey the Messiah and obey his authority and he brings justice and righteousness. He believes those texts. Yeah. It's eschatological for Shapiro. But it's also eschatological for MacArthur, except MacArthur says that Jesus didn't really bring his kingdom in his first coming. He's going to bring it later. Yeah. And there is where we will have a theocracy. 
There is where the Messiah right. will rule and reign and bring justice to the earth. All those passages in the Old Testament about the Messiah's rule and reign and justice, that's coming later, right? Right. But what yeah. we're saying is that, uh, well, no, actually the Bible says in numerous places, Daniel chapter two, that the Messiah's kingdom would come during the time of the fourth kingdom, which was Rome. And Jesus, lo and behold, and John the Baptist, lo and behold, comes in and says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm. Jesus says in Matthew, very clearly, he says, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. It has come upon you. Paul says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son. The most popular text in the New Testament from the Old Testament is Psalm 1101. And it is this, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he must reign until all his enemies come under his feet as a footstool for his feet. Just one more thing, too. I know we're pressed for time, but the accusation, not accusation, I should say, but the, the position that Dr. MacArthur holds about the New Testament not interpreting the Old Testament is so critical to the idea of the kingdom coming and seeing Jesus now as seated, right? If that's something that's future, then the temporal benefits of Jesus um, being on his throne now before the second coming. Um, I mean, it just, it kind of falls apart in the yeah. sense of Shapiro hearing this, like, well, that's definitely not the Messiah then mm. because he's not concerned with justice and righteousness in the world. And as an Orthodox Jew, I have to be because the Old Testament scriptures are. Yes. The God of this uh, holy writ has emphasized again and again the necessity of justice and righteousness the in the Messiah world. Messiah will rule. So if your Jesus has no care for those things, then that's a different Jesus. He's not the Messiah. It's a different Messiah than the one that's that's presented. Obviously, he wouldn't use the word Jesus, Jesus because he doesn't Messiah. believe. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's. No. Yeah. That's disagree. that's the key thing. Is is this is a very eschatological question and problem. Um, and I think that if you look at the text of the Old and New Testament, you see that the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus did bring his kingdom, that he is king of kings now, Lord of lords now, has all authority in heaven and on earth now. There's nothing left. He's sitting on David's throne now. That's a Davidic throne. That's the Messiah's throne. If as Christians we say, and we have to, because there's no way out of it, that Jesus is on the Davidic throne now, that means that he's seated on the Messianic throne now. And if somebody says today with a dispensational premillennial eschatology, well, no, Jesus did bring his kingdom, but it's now and not yet. I would say, well, what you really mean is now, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what you mean. Right. Right. Because what you're saying is, is that he didn't really bring it. It's coming later. But the New Testament and Old Testament say that it had to happen in the first century. And Jesus says, he's got it. So what we get to say to Shapiro is, no, all those passages about justice and righteousness here in this world. Yeah, Jesus cares. And guess what? Shapiro, he's bringing it. Mm. So turn to Christ and live. Amen. Turn to Christ and live. Any last words on that? Okay. No. Now, as a final, final end to the show today, let's talk a bit about Stephen Anderson. Many of you guys know we've addressed um, Mr. Anderson before. In the past, um, he has uh, unfortunately taken it upon himself to actually spread lies about Apologia Church, documentable lies, documentable yeah. lies about me, <laughs> about Apologia Church. Your it, wife. About my wife. Uh, and uh, it's sad. And I, and I want to first apologize ahead of time to everybody who is listening, who has to listen to, um, you know, the words of, a, of, of really, of like an internet troll is, is really what it actually is. Um, it's sad because uh, for many, many years, I've actually invited uh, Anderson to a public moderated debate 
I want to give that challenge once again. Uh, Stephen, uh, let's get beyond uh, talking back and forth to each other. You've already been refuted up and down uh, through what you said before, but let's get beyond the back and forth talking over the internet and let's go ahead and have a public moderated debate. We'll pay for everything. We'll pay for the venue. We'll fill the place up. We'll have a moderated debate. Um, and we'll talk about uh, who's in charge of salvation. Or we'll talk about some of these issues that you slander on and you lie about. Um, but Stephen Anderson is a well-known internet hate preacher. Uh, that would be an accurate way to talk about him. Uh, he has recently decided, uh, I guess he has like some very deep affections for me. And, um, <laughs> Either that or he's trying to sell a film. Yeah, oh yeah, they are uh, doing a film on, on Calvinism. Uh, a bunch of independent fundamental Baptists are. And uh, we're going to be responding in the next, next couple of weeks to some of the blatant false witness. Now, um, I, I, I do have to say, I'm just going to be very, very honest and have a lot of transparency here and try to be very humble to you. I find it really awe-inspiring, truly, to see people who profess to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ tell blatant, bold-faced lies uh, that can be demonstrated over and over and over. I find it peculiar that men who profess to represent the Savior, the Lord of glory, these men would actually tell bold-faced lies publicly. And they're documented now, and we have them recorded, so there's no getting out of it now. And we're going to go through it. Uh, but recently, uh, Stephen Anderson has decided to uh, start talking about me and uh, issues of uh, homosexuality, Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you call the glasses? Elton John glasses. Elton John glasses, those sorts of things. <laughs> uh, we'll just play through some of this. I think it's important. Uh, let's uh, at least uh, try to, you know, talk through some of these things. And uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and get past here. You guys feel free to stop me whenever you wish. At the Guinness storehouse, the Guinness factory, so much history here. Somebody just sent me a video a couple days ago of Pastor Dirtbin, and he is in Dublin, Ireland wearing Elton John glasses with a ring on his thumb like a homo. <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> Mr. Anderson, uh, let me show you, and we, we, titled, this, we titled this video uh, Stephen Slanderson for a reason. I wanna just go ahead and say ahead of time, I'm not gonna abuse you like that and continue to do that. We did it for a purpose to show you that Stephen, that's just too easy. Jeff Dirtbin, it could be done all day back and forth. Stephen Slanderson, Stephen Panderson, pandering to the audience, all those sorts. It's too easy, Stephen. And so I wanna encourage you to actually raise your level of integrity and up your game, my friend, because that sort of thing might convince your lackeys but it doesn't impress me. What I'm impressed with is the word of God. What I'm impressed with is the truth and exegesis. I'm not impressed with the dirt bin and the apostasia church. I'm impressed actually with the truth and the word of God. So let's get to that because I've done this before to show you that two can play at this game and it's ultimately not how you settle these disputes. We just, we settle them with the word of God. Yeah. So let's try that. Now let's get real quickly to the Elton John glasses. I was say, speaking of lackeys, there's all kinds of slanderites on our pay, on our channel here today. So okay, they're they're in full force. Right on. Well, welcome to the channel, friends. Yeah. I hope that we can convince you 
not through abusive behavior, but through the words of the living God of the truth. I hope you see in us an apology of church. I hope you see in us a spirit of obedience to Jesus and a desire to honor him. Right. I hope you see in us a commitment to the word of God and not to slander and abuse. What we want to do is settle these issues through the scriptures, not through uh, this sort of internet troll-like behavior. Um, but let's get into what he accuses me of. First of all, I was in uh, Dublin, Ireland, just so you know, and Luke was there. And uh, were you there on that first trip? Not that trip. No, Marcus was there. Marcus, you filmed this. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we were Sorry. there. We. That's <laughs> all right. We were there. Um, we were there fighting against abortion and bringing the gospel against the uh, abortion in Ireland. That's what we were doing there. And we happened to actually come, a, come upon the Guinness factory. And just in terms of what I was wearing, I was wearing clothes to keep me warm. And I had a pair of sunglasses that I bought, um, I believe, at a gas station for $7 because it was bright outside and there were $7 <laughs> sunglasses that I happened to get at a gas station because that's all that was available. Next, the thumb ring. And this goes to show why God commands you, by the way, as a minister of the gospel, which you profess to be, not to slander. I'll give you a word from Titus 3. Your mandate, because you profess to be a believer and a minister of the gospel, is to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Um, that's one way of rendering that. I just want to encourage you to think very hard about what you said there, because you said he's wearing a homo ring on his thumb. Well, first of all, you don't get to determine what's a homo ring on the thumb. <laughs> you need to know in history that the thumb ring was used by, was worn by royalty. The thumb ring was worn by people who were archers. Um, and you need to just understand that. But also in my case, that thumb ring, that homo ring that you slandered me with that's actually a very special thing between my daughter and i my daughter who was 16 went on a missions trip with me globally uh to to preach the gospel and to save lives and while we were on this missions trip we had such a great time together serving god we decided to get a token to remember forever that ministry and so i bought her a ring and my daughter bought me a ring but the only size available at that moment was a size that would only fit my thumb. And so the ring that you're mocking and calling a homo ring is actually a ring that was given to me by my daughter and it happened to be the only ring available and it was as a token to remember our ministry for Jesus Christ and the gospel around the world. Was it a Lord of the Rings ring? It was it also was. a Lord of the Rings ring. So it was a ring. Tolkien got a, ring. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. And I got a, uh, I got a, yeah, I got it in New Zealand and that's where Hopefully. she got it for me. That also, sounds, that sounds like the that least gay ring ever. <laughs> least gay ring ever, right? Oh, by the way, um, I lost the ring, unfortunately, while I was working on my car. How gay. <laughs> Here's more. Yeah. And he's standing outside the Guinness factory where they make the beer, Guinness. Who knows what I'm talking about? And uh, behind me here is uh, the Guinness storehouse. It's uh, where Arthur Guinness began his business. And it's a really interesting story, actually. Arthur Guinness was a believer in Jesus Christ. He loved God. He believed in the gospel. And, um, and he's like, oh, this is such a blessing. And this man, Guinness, was a godly Christian. And he helped what? so many people by brewing this beer and making this beer. And it, it was such a blessing to people. All the hard liquor was destroying the underclass. And so Arthur Guinness wanted to create something that would be ultimately good for people 
uh, that would be difficult to really abuse in the same way as a hard liquor. And so he created Guinness as a means to essentially bless the underclass, create something amazing, and uh, he did it. Because they were drinking stuff that was even harder liquor. So he got him on something with a little less alcohol in it, amen? You know, so, oh, you know, what a godly man. To actually... Okay, <laughs> let's talk about that. Um, I, I think you have a real problem, Mr. Anderson, that you really need to face. And though your independent, fundamental, separated Baptists might want to skirt this issue or ignore these Bible verses, you're going to have a heck of a time with the word of God, with your position. Now, drunkenness is a wicked sin that will send you to hell, but you're gonna have to face the facts that the Bible actually speaks very highly about alcohol. It's a and blessing. A, it's as a blessing and not to be abused. Now, anything can be abused as sinful. For example, people abuse sex all the time. Do we now say no more sex? How about sex in the right context? How about sex to the glory of God? People abuse food all the time. So do we say no more food? People, people abuse YouTube as well. People abuse YouTube <laughs> all the time. People abuse the pulpit, Mr. Anderson, all the time. Do we say oh. no more pulpit? Um, or how about this? Um, if you would all go to your Bibles uh, to Deuteronomy, I want you all to see this. This is very, very important. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 14. This is from the law of God. Deuteronomy Chapter 14, everyone head on over there. Sorry, my Bible is just full of stuff today. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter <laughs> 14. I'll let you all get there because it's important that you do and see this with your own eyes. Uh, the second giving of the law, Deuteronomy chapter 14. And I want you to look at what God commands of people in his holy law regarding alcohol and even strong drink. Now you can start at um, uh, chapter 14 and look in verse 22. It says, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year and before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine and of your oil. Of your what? Your wine mm. and your oil. It was not grape juice. Sorry, Fundy Baptists. It was not. Uh, the first point of your herd and flock and you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you so that you're not able to carry the tithe, then the Lord your God blesses you because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there. Then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice you and your household. So God actually tells his people, if it's too much to carry all of this stuff for the tithe, the wine, then go ahead and sell it, right? Make money off of it, and then come to the place of where all this is taking place, and then buy whatever your heart desires to celebrate and to worship God, whether it's strong drink or wine. Here is God himself commanding his people as part of worship and celebration buy whatever your heart desires, wine or strong drink. Would God have ever allowed them to be drunkards? That would have been condemned outright, completely and totally. So when you criticize a person in history who created an alcoholic drink that has one of the lowest alcohol contents of any beer that is out there, 
uh, when you criticize him for trying to create a, 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 a drink that could not be easily abused, as easily abused as whiskey, take that for example, um, I find that very peculiar because you're not reasoning from a position of scripture. You're reasoning right. from a position of tradition. Mm. Tradition, not scripture. Never mind the fact too that in Proverbs, it, it just actually, and describing wisdom, it says that wisdom has made the choicest wines and has set the table with those wines. That's wisdom. Right. Mm. Yeah. And, and also, what did God tell in, in terms of a, a beautiful story about his people? How did he say he was going to bless his people with the choicest, choicest wines? wines. Yeah. Right. And those weren't, that wasn't grape juice, y'all. It couldn't have been. That <laughs> wasn't have been. invented until the 1800s. That's right. <laughs> Uh, well, there's a documentary on Netflix, or it was on Netflix. It was called A Year in Burgundy, and they went through the entire process of how they make wines in Burgundy in, in France. And as soon as those grapes come off the vine, they throw them in a truck and they run to processing because they start fermenting immediately. Mm -hmm. So so if, if, they're, if they're rushing to get these grapes into processing as soon as they come off the vine, because most of the time the harvest... They are, they're already starting to ferment on the vine themselves. Mm. So they have to get them off. So this idea that, especially with not having trucks and being carried by mule, the wines being carried by mules and stuff, <laughs> it's just impossible. Right, right. It's completely impossible. And also the point, the point of the Guinness story yeah. we, were, we were trying to right. tell, the point of the Guinness story is that Christians in history were thinking about here and now, this world, blessing the world as Christians, living here as part of the kingdom of God, being lights and beacons of righteousness in the world. And so that was really the point of the video. It wasn't so much just, it wasn't so much about the beer. By the way, I just got to say this, Luke, when's the last time I had a drink of alcohol? I honestly don't know. It's been at least three years. I, I don't even, maybe not I, I, so, so in terms of how you try to slander and, and, and make our church look or us look, just know I can't even, I, I, don't, I don't even know. I, I have alcohol so few times in my life. I don't even remember. I can't think about it because, and of course, Anderson would probably say, you don't remember because you're doing so much drinking. <laughs> I don't remember because it happens so little in my life and barely that it's not even really a part of my life. Don't really care too much about it. I'm not a big fan ultimately of, of, of it, but I do see it as a blessing in the right context. Do what we do to the glory of God. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do all to the glory of God. Whatever, you, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might to the glory of God. This is an example of that. We need to get back to it. Amen. It says, excuse Pastor Dirtman now while he gets back to God. it. Brewing beer for the glory of God. You know, I passed Coors a little earlier today. I was thinking about getting out and making a video about like, oh, we're on holy ground, folks. Definitely <laughs> not. It's coarse. It's coarse. Definitely not. Yeah, that's wouldn't have the same effect. Hey, um, uh, do you think that Jesus turned water into wine for the glory of God? When Jesus turned water into alcoholic wine, um, was that to the glory of God or was that a sin? Was that a sin for Jesus to do that? When he turned water into wine, alcoholic wine, at a wedding feast, at a celebration. So when you, you know, you do all these things that are not rooted in scripture, they're rooted in your tradition, mm -hmm. Mr. Anderson. Your tradition is what is feeding into this perspective. Um, you, it's not impressive. I, I want to be, I want to reason from the word of God. I want to reason in such a way that I don't make Jesus look like a sinner like you just did. You see, because when you mock alcohol in the way that you did, yeah and you'd say it in the way that you are, you're actually making your savior look like a sinner. 
because he actually turned water into wine at a wedding and it was alcoholic wine. There is no way exegetically around mm -hmm. that. When you mm -hmm. look at the scriptures and you see God actually saying he's gonna bless his people with the choicest wines, when you see God telling his people to sell their stuff and to make capital to buy wine and strong drink for a celebration, um, you're making God look evil because mm. of your tradition, mm. not because of scripture, because of your tradition. <laughs> and that's what all this is behind me. It's the result of the Christian worldview. That's what this is. Yeah, and if you know anything about Arthur Guinness and if you've been to Ireland and yeah. you actually understood what this Christian family did to bless yeah. Ireland, um, you would be eating crow right now. The stories go long and deep to know about what the Guinness family, what this did to bless the culture and society as Christians around them. Talking about lifting the poor out of poverty, talking about blessing families, talking about bringing medical care to families, talking about building churches for Christians to worship in. Uh, when you mock a Christian that laid his life down in many areas, I'm not saying he was a perfect Christian. I'm not saying anything like that. Any of us are perfect Christians. I'm saying that, yes, this was a result of the biblical worldview and Christian thinking, yeah. for sure. How do, you, how do you say that the wine in the Bible was non-alcoholic when it's the same word, the same uh, Hebrew word, is used to warn people about drinking wine and being drunk? Right. Like the whole the whole principle that is of, a good uh, question. Cause, well, because their position is that well, well, they didn't even they didn't even uh, drink the wine. They only cooked with it, and and all the or that it was non-alcoholic, which I think is scientifically impossible Silly. back then. Yeah. So it just it, and and why does non-alcoholic wine give people a merry heart? Right, not like what, what? <laughs> Right, grape juice. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's some dang good Welch's. Yeah. I'm so happy My right heart now. Is Mary. That, that duels, though. Yeah. <laughs> Son. Well, yeah, there, there is an effect on the body from alcohol that can be a blessing if it's not abused. And and it just doesn't make sense. It's just, it's just not good teaching. That's right. So uh, one more thing here. We're going to end. We're going to wrap this up now and, and not really give this any more time except to give you one more invitation. Uh, Mr. Anderson, I am inviting you to a public moderated debate that we will fully pay for. We can do it in 2019 and we can discuss the issues that you always harp on. You hate Calvinism. You hate Reformed theology. How about let's debate total depravity? Uh, let's, let's debate that issue. Let's debate the issue of Calvinism. Let's ask the question, who controls salvation, God or man? Let's do it that way. And uh, again, there's the invitation. Once again, I've sent you messages in the past that have been completely ignored. I'll give you the grace to say that maybe you didn't see them. I understand you have a lot of people writing to you. So I will give you that grace and, uh, and say that maybe you didn't see them. But I know that you saw what I responded to you in that last year or this past year where I invited you to a public debate. You ignored that. You won't do it. And so I'll challenge you again. How about you stop hiding behind people who are yesing and amening you? How about you stop hiding behind a keyboard and a camera? And how about you face me as a minister of the gospel before an audience with a moderator and let's open our Bibles. I'll even use the King James. Wow. I'll use the King James the whole time. And let's get to the bottom of these issues together and let's do it as respectful ministers of the gospel. How about that? Um, well, the Bible has something to say about cowards. Yeah. So it sure does. I think he should. It sure does. I think he should come out. There is a moment, and I have to forgive me, I 
thought I had it lined up here. I don't. Where Mr. Anderson lost his mind, lost his mind about Arthur Guinness, and he tries to basically attack me and say, but Arthur Guinness was a Roman Catholic. I thought the Pope was from the devil. He just goes nuts and the audience roars, amen, yes, yes, amen. That's right, Arthur Guinness, the Roman Catholic. And I, I was thinking to myself, this is amazing. Everybody's just yesing and amen anything this man says. They just trust him so much. They don't realize that he is feeding them false information right now. And all they can do is as soon as he screams and he starts his, his, his entertainment behind the pulpit, as soon as that happens, everyone just yeses mm. and amens. And they don't even realize they're yesing and amen and amening something that is completely, pat, completely patently false. Right. Arthur Guinness was not a Roman Catholic. Now, thankfully, Stephen Anderson offered an apology uh, the next day after he preached and gave some false information. And we'll, I'll we'll go ahead and play that for you. Hey, everybody. Pastor Stephen Anderson here from Faithful Word Baptist Church in Tempe, Arizona. I made a mistake in my sermon last night when I was preaching. I said that Guinness was a Roman Catholic. It turns out he was actually an Irish Protestant. So, um... What, what's interesting here is, is first, I want to say this to you, uh, Mr. Anderson, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having the integrity and having the courage to come forth publicly and to confess to an error and uh, to confess to um, uh, making the mistake that you did. So I want to honor that and say thank you for that. All I want to say here is that as soon as you get, this is 15 seconds in, as soon as you get about 20 seconds into this video, you leap right back into your tirade and everything else, trying to protect yourself and defend yourself and all that you normally do. Um, but I just want to highlight something here. When you did this, this whole thing of uh, Arthur Guinness was a Roman Catholic and everyone's like, amen, yes. And you start going into this moment where you're just screaming and you're yelling false information. I think I want to point something out to you. The people who are listening to you, they follow you without question. They just start amening you mm -hmm. no matter what you say. And I want to say this to those who are watching right now who are fans of Mr. Anderson. I want you to consider this. Watch that clip from Steadfast Baptist Church where he goes on this tirade. Watch how the congregation just follows him implicitly. Just whatever you say, Mr. Anderson. Yes, you made a comment. Yes, you're screaming. You must be right. Amen. <laughs> You are wrong. You are wrong. And anybody who knows anything about this history would never make that mistake that he was a Roman Catholic. But yet you screamed it from the pulpit as though it were true. And I want to just point out to those who are listening right now who have listened to Mr. Anderson over the years and you've just listened to what he said, what he said and you've just bitten down and you've bought into it. I want to encourage you to think about that moment. Here's a moment where Anderson goes off the rails, loses his mind, and he was completely, absolutely, totally wrong now thankfully he corrected himself the next day but that doesn't change the fact that if you watch that video the audience is just yes amen you're right i want to say be more critical about what comes out of this man's mouth bereans be bereans hmm. go to the word of god don't hang on to your traditions don't hang on to your love for me or for him you need to test all things. Hold fast to that which is true. You need to test my words by God's word. Test Mr. Anderson's words by God's word. That ought to be the standard, my friends. All right, guys, final words? 
Amen and amen. Amen. Uh, be looking out for Babies Are Murdered Here sequel teaser trailer to be dropping very soon. That's right. Very, very soon. Very like soon. This week, probably. This week, yeah. This week, you guys will get a chance to see that. We are all very, very excited about that. So um, I want to ask you guys to please continue to pray for us. We will try to examine some more of this MacArthur Shapiro discussion a little later. Again, want to highlight the fact that we are so grateful to Dr. MacArthur for honestly such a wonderful job yes. in terms of communicating the love of Jesus and the need to turn to Jesus for salvation in that interview. We bless him. We praise God for his work and his ministry. Uh, but we'll continue to talk about some areas we think could, that can be polished up and sharpened in terms of our, our witness towards Orthodox Jews, right? Mm-hmm. All right, that's Luke the Bear. Peace out. That is Zach Attack. See ya. And that is King Ginger. It's so nice to say that again. <laughs> Once again, I'm Jeff yeah. the Call of the Ninja. We'll catch you guys next time right here on Apologia Radio. Don't forget to go to apologiastudios.com. Sign up for all access, partner with our ministry, get our TV shows, our after shows, Apology Academy, and more. Thank you guys. God bless you. We'll catch you guys next time.
I'll message him right now. So, with the whole dog thing, I gotta figure out.
Carmen? Are you, um, is that playing for your computer? Do you mind if you hit pause? And actually, if you're, since I'll be handling the clips, yes. yep. we'll just, uh, just we'll transfer power. Yep. Sweet. It is nice having this computer. I appreciate you getting this, man, too. Of course. Just don't break it, all right? Yes, sir. Don't spill. Mind if I throw your stuff? No, I'm done. So. so just grab, just throw your stuff. 